and welcome to the TPM podcast. If you're new or uh, not one of the old faithful, you might not know that that stands for Theology of Plain Men. We're just a group of guys that have normal jobs and you know don't aren't experts in theology, but we believe that it matters to daily life. We believe that speak what the Bible for yourself, sir. Uh, okay, I'll speak for myself. That's what I said to you last time, isn't it? Okay, fair enough. So today we are talking about the headline that has been the headline for weeks and weeks now, the new coronavirus um, that is like ripping across the world in some places more dramatically than others. Currently, it's not that big a deal in the U.S., but things are getting canceled left and right. And so we thought it'd be worthwhile to talk about this element of current events and how maybe this could lead us to um, some topics of theology. So, what's our what's our gut reaction right now, you guys, to the coronavirus? How how is this affecting us? Well, I think one thing I was thinking of, you know, in the last few few days, few weeks, really, is everyone's you know everyone's asking the question. I've asked the question: what What's going on? How serious is this? And I think today, uh, not that I wasn't taking it seriously and didn't know that it's it's very infectious it is more deadly than for instance the flu but what really hit me today was when i heard that our alma mater the university of minnesota shut down all five of their campuses until april and it's what march 11th today so that's at least we're going on three weeks where there's gonna be no one on those campuses and they're not allowed to be there and then you even have something like march madness i they're canceling. There's no fans going to be there. It's just kids playing for their moms and dads, just like back when they're in fourth grade. You know, there's that's going to be so weird to watch that. And also, as I was commenting, probably tracks with my interest in the sport this this season. Um, maybe that's because I'm in grad school. But yeah, it's like everyone's been asking, how serious is this? And I think we're starting to see that whatever you think of it, certain people, higher ups are taking it very seriously. How about you, Zach? So... I agree. Yeah, I understand that there's a seriousness to it, but if I'm honest, and we were spitballing this before, so I'm sharing this as though this is a new revelation to these guys, but full disclosure, they've already heard this. Um, it's I find it really hard for me to get real excited about the whole thing, for me to get real worked up about the whole thing. Um, the The mortality rate among those who are healthy young adults is basically negligible at this point so the selfish part of me and i'll admit it is selfish it's a selfish issue i'm struggling with but i find it hard for me to uh care isn't the right word um but to get real to to see it as a big deal at this point because i know if i get it i'm going to be in bed for a while and then i'll be fine um just because that's how this thing's going to run its course for me uh that said, I have an infant in the house. So I also understand that, you know, there's a level of responsibility I have to have being a father of baby. So I have to make sure that not just for me, but for Harper, that I'm providing an environment that I might not be causing danger to her by essentially not caring. So I'm finding it hard to to see it seriously although I know I probably should be seeing it more seriously than I am. That said, also trying to take active steps to be responsible 
and make sure that I'm not putting Harper in a bad spot. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm in a really similar space. My infant is also a big concern. <laughs> I don't have an infant. Um, but one thing for me that this has been stirring up, which I think is really interesting, it, it's been bringing to light a concept, a line of thought that has never really occurred to me in my life, and that is thinking about how my actions, okay, this is make me sound like a terrible person, affect other people. I've never thought about that in my life. No. Thinking about how choices I make even very like low consequence ones, such as travel, can affect tons of other people in my circles. You know, so I was going to go to a, a, this work conference in LA, and the whole thing got canceled, so it wasn't really a an option in the end. But there was a period for which I was like, "Oh, maybe I shouldn't go. Like, maybe I should choose not to go." So that even though I personally am probably not at a huge risk of any serious outcome with this disease, I mean, what are the chances that I'm I do contract it and I bring it back to somebody who is it who is at a higher risk, you know? And so like thinking in a more of a public health way, like almost a like a humanistic, you know, thinking in the interest of the masses, I guess. It's it's been just kind of an interesting thing for me. To think in that way because I don't think there's any, there's been a real a scenario like this in my life that has been at that same level. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So anyway, so that okay, I feel like that kind of well summarizes where we're at, yeah. just at a very shallow level. But and not to not to over spiritualize things, but I think it I think there might be a spiritual side of this or a place where this is a springboard for maybe a conversation about theology. So. Uh, when we were talking about it, one verse came to mind for a couple of us, and I'm going to have Cody read it here. Um, yeah, so we're at the last verses in Philippians chapter 1. You know, Paul is he's speaking to the church there. He um, has been dealing with prison and, and threats of violence and death, and he kind of is talking about his labor amongst the Phili- uh, Philippians, and he kind of reaches this point where he's like, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. And he kind of just goes on to talk about how, man, if I died right now, that would be fantastic. I would be with Jesus. But then he comes to the final conclusion, um, despite that understanding of how wonderful being with Jesus would be. And he says, it is for your benefit that I'm here. I'm here to build up your faith, to build up your communities, your churches. I'm here to labor for you and serve you. And so because of that, I'm not going to do what I want to do um, in the ultimate sense of returning to Christ or or going to Christ, Um, but I'm going to continue to exist to live out my God-given purpose on earth. Yeah, so when we we kind of break down, to use a pastor term, when we unpack that that verse... uh, we kind of see two things that are living juxtaposed or not necessarily juxtaposed, but they're kind of living in on a balance with each other, kind of on a scale. One of them is Paul's view of death, uh, kind of, I would say, uh, or fear of death or lack thereof, um, kind of juxtaposed with his care for others and stewarding his life well. Um, so we see those things kind of living on a scale where overemphasis on one isn't good and overemphasis on the other also isn't good. 
So there's there's a balance there. Right. He has such a like impressively leveled perspective on how it's a reality that God has us living here at this time. You know, uh, I could have gotten cancer when I was a kid and died, and that would have been his will. And the fact that I didn't is also part of his will. And, and right, so I'm right. here for a reason to carry on my work as part of like the kingdom as it exists on earth. Um, and I think, I also think, Sorry, I have this bad habit of like playing with my microphone, and Zach is yeah. For me all some of you that just shame. lost your just eardrums ooh, from man, that, I was sorry. I was actually really impressed with it. I was like, I can't even do that, so I'm not that gonna I try it. it. Yeah, yeah you're so like, yeah, you're flinging like, your yeah. microphone around. It was it was kind of cool. It's I didn't more natural. I didn't I see just, the side eye coming from across the room. Oof, no, so I, I wasn't even looking at him, and I saw the side eye. <laughs> you could feel it. Uh, so let's let's kind of tackle the first one there. Like let's let's the the idea of like fearing death. Right. Let's I'll throw that out to you guys. What do you think of that? Like, how do we like, is that one that we do well, that we don't do well? Um, oh, in America, I think for sure it's not one that we do super well. You see it in um, I'm going into healthcare um, as a PA and I'm in grad school for it right now. But one thing that, you know, is apparent is that we don't we don't have enough conversations about death and, and people will make decisions all the time when they don't have much of a quality life to extend life. And we actually were recently uh, did like an interprofessional healthcare conference um, at our school for different professions to come together and work on this case. And it came up at the end of the thing is like, none of you talked about hospice for this patient. Like none of you talked about the very real reality that they might not make it through this. And so how are you going to counsel them through that so that they and their families feel like they got closure? And it like was a, a shock to me that like we're so, our fear of death is not apparent in how we speak of it usually. It's apparent in our mm. avoidance of it. Yeah. And uh, now when you have an existential crisis coming at us, um, especially if you're older and um, have chronic illnesses, you see that in just this hysteria breaking out where people are making decisions that, you know, much like sin, seem good in your own eyes. But even the professional cells like stop buying masks. It's not helping you from getting sick and it's making us run out of masks in our clinics. So it's <laughs> like people that actually need to use them. Yeah. Like yeah. good example, actually, of like if, for humanity taking, you know, it says like Adam and Eve did what was right in their own eyes or in the book of judges. Anytime someone does something that's right in their own eyes, you know, the whole nation's about to go to crap. Um, so like this idea that this is breaking out and you're just seeing people, we fear it. We are, um, you know, in some ways, good reasons we, as young adults, we should care about the people that we might spread it to, but, um, you see it in death. People are afraid to die. And amongst Christians, you know, that should be leveled with, yes, the, the, even Jesus had a fear of death before going to the cross, but it's leveled with this. God's given me a purpose. I'm here to fulfill that. And I hope to do that till the best I can, and then I'll be with him again. Right, and then the alternative to this is not just this morbid kind of fatalism, right? So the opposite of being afraid of death isn't like wanting to die. It's more being okay with the reality that, okay, I have a limited time here, and it's going to end, and that ultimately, as a Christian, death is going to mean unity with Christ and eternal glory. You know, like that's, that is what, that is why Paul it says, no, I, I would choose to be with God, with Jesus, <laughs> you know? Right, yeah, and I think that's something that should really distinguish the Christian from the rest of the world is 
at the drop of a hat, if someone asked the Christian, like, what, truthfully, what would be what would be better for you, for you to live where you are right now or for you to die and go to heaven? You shouldn't have to think about it. Your gut instinct ought to be, well, of course, I'd rather go, I'd rather go be with my creator. Um, and it, like, it shouldn't be close. And Paul had such a clear grasp on the glory of God that he understood that so well. Like, it's obvious to him. It's like, well, yeah, of course, of course I'd rather be in heaven. Um, but so when, when we kind of look at death there, I think that's a, a big way where we can be set apart. We can be a set apart people as as the Bible kind of calls us to, it's, it's littered throughout there, the God's people through from Israel into, into the new covenant now where God's people now Christians, we are always, there's a, a myriad of things in scripture that the intention of it is for God's people to be set apart. Um, and this is a key way for that because when the rest of the world looks at death, their, their fear of death is a crippling fear, right? Everything, Everything shuts down. They get they hold up in their house. They stock up on toilet paper and paper towels because <laughs> you're going to use 72 rolls of toilet paper in four weeks. Um, but the the Christian, when the Christian looks at death, it's it's not a a reckless like, oh, I'd rather go be with God. Let's just be reckless. Oh, yeah. All right, you know, yeah, motocross. Let's right. go. But it's it's also not this crippling. It's not this crippling thing. Like I'm not going to be crippled by the idea of death because I know ultimately it's better for me to be on the other side. Completely. So now, right? Because if it's so, if it is, if it is truly so much better to be on the other side, why don't we just go there? Why does he choose to stick around? Right. Right. Yeah. So, and that's kind of laid out in the second half of that verse there. Yeah. Actually, I real quick when I, I'll get right back to that. Actually, you speaking just now kind of convicted me because I, I told the guys on the way here, I, I watched a car accident happen. Um, I was the third person in line. The person in front of me was turning right. The person behind me just decided in a one lane to whip out around me and clipped the car in front of me and then clipped the car waiting at a stop sign. And, um, you know, it was a 30 mile an hour zone. I, no one was seriously hurt as far as I could see. Um, and so it was like, they just clipped like the front of the cars, but I was like on my way here and I was kind of, I told the guys, I was like, I was kind of unnerved. I was like, wow, this just not fun to watch car accidents happen um and and saying like yeah if you watch something happen that's pretty bad you should probably like stop and like help in this case i knew it was you know but um kind of hit me that like paul this wasn't some abstract thing like he's actually as if i'm not mistaken in flip when he's writing philippians he's in prison like the con the threat of death is apparent and to me like my first thought was i was just so rattled by the experience and you know when as our love of Christ is loftier um, and more real to us. You know, I should have been able to been like, yeah, that was really scary. Um, but I don't have to fear that, that outcome. Cause it will come someday. And one day I'll be reunited with my savior. And that is a glorious thing. But um, so moving on to your next thing. You yeah. Know? So then, th cause that's, that, that is a really, really good point, right? Like we, we have no reason to fear. We don't. Uh, death is always going to hurt right? Because we weren't made for it. There's always this thing about it. It's always going to sting on this side of eternity. That's just part of the way life is now. But we have no reason to fear. So how do we balance the other end of the scale, right? Because it is truly infinitely better to be with God than it is to be here. True, like 100%. That is a fact. That is a biblical fact. 
how do we balance the other end? Right. So I think for this, you have to look at the second half of the passage that we are looking at, and I'll read it again. So it's coming off of where he says, uh, I desire to depart to be with Christ, which is better by far. He says, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. So obviously he has this vision for how his presence in the world, his ministry to these people, is going to magnify their faith and going to empower them to... um, glorify God in their lives here and to make him known to other people. So not only is it his ministry to others, but furthermore, in a multiplying sort of way, their ministry to others still. And so I think that's the the model that we ought to follow in our understanding of, okay, I don't have coronavirus, so that means that, you know, my life, I gets to carry on with the purpose of making Jesus known and with bringing glory to him with my days here. Right. Or even in a very physical sense, if we're going to take like a, like a very real application, we, and we were kind of spit on this. Sorry if this was what you're going to say, Cody, stepping on your touchdown golf, but sorry, right, I'll just, I'll just, I don't know. <laughs> fume over here. Yeah, it's okay. Like we are not at risk, right? One of us gets coronavirus. We're fine. We're going to, we're going to overwhelmingly likely we're going to be just fine. And we're going to be just fine without even visiting a clinic. Um, but it's not us that we should be acting on behalf of. Exactly. Uh, the yeah. Bible is clear that we should be placing the needs of others above the needs of ourselves. So the a very physical, real, not churchy, not Christiany kind of application of a very theological and Christian point is that we should be in times like this, and really probably in normal times as well, we should be living in a way that for those who this is a big deal for uh, that we are living in their for, for their benefit that we're living in light of those people who don't have the blessings that that God happened to grant to us right mm-hmm. that we choose not to be reckless like we could probably afford to live recklessly in in a health sort of way right with regards to this but we're we shouldn't because that yeah damages. Yeah, like exactly I, I could go visit exotic places and live my life, right? Like that would put me at risk for catching this disease. I could go do that because if I caught it, I'd be fine. But what that could do to other people could be detrimental. So that that's kind of where I'm where I'm seeing a very kind of physical application of this in terms of viewing your life as benefiting others, not necessarily viewing your life narrowly. Um, as just like what impacts you. Uh, and if you remember back to what I said at the beginning, preaching to myself right now. <laughs> so fighting the apathy real oh, and, time. And everything you've hit on, Zach, like I immediately thought of Philippians 2, where Paul's talking about um, to in humility count others more significant than yourselves and let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. This is immediately after he's just said, I'm staying here because it's good for y'all. And... I think that's that's so cool to see. Someone's in prison, he's on the verge of death, and he's saying, I'm sticking it out till it's my time to go because it's good for all of you. And, you know, likewise for us to consider, like, we've seen this virus, it rav- it's ravishing nursing homes, older adults. I can think of family members who would be devastated if this hit them. It's like, 
it's our responsibility to say that as much as it's my responsibility to live out my God ordained purpose, it's also my responsibility to them to make sure they can, that they can either hear the gospel and repent or to live on. And as Jesus says in Matthew five, to be salt and light to the world, totally in line with what Paul is saying. Like you are in this sense, like your brother's keeper, like the question to, um, God, when, uh, Cain kills Abel is like, you know, where is your brother? And he responds like, am I my brother's keeper? In this case, I would say like, Jesus has given us the example. Paul's given us the example. Yes, we are here for the good of other people. That means in our own lives and for their lives as well. So for sure. So I really like that Zach framed this idea, but or took this idea and mapped it on to a different application. I'd love to think about other, other, what are some other applications as we wrap this up of this concept of, you know, conducting yourself with the in the interest of other people, valuing them as more than yourself. So, you know, the topic is coronavirus. This is not licking our hands and just dragging them all over things in public places. Oh man, you can't do that anymore. Oh. You just can't. All right, you can't do anything anymore. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but what are some other ones? Some more like serious, and so helpful ones. I think I, I honestly think it's it's it to me it feels like just the the day to day nitpicky kind of stuff. I think it's like it's oftentimes harder for us to put ourselves into situations where there are these big grandiose like uh, oh a fellow plain man who doesn't live here so he's not a plain man very often Nick Schleif um, he had the opportunity to donate uh, bone marrow as a part of the be the match program. If you ever get a chance to talk to Nick about it, talk to him. It's, it's an, and if you're not on the be the match program, you should, it's an incredible opportunity. I'll, I'll plug that 10 times out of 10, but he literally got the opportunity to take a massive inconvenience to himself and save somebody else's life because of it. Um, so there are those big, 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 big things like that where, this is a this is a huge deal and this is the the largest way I can count this person like Nick didn't get anything from that. In fact, he wouldn't even go out of his way to like tell someone about it. Like it would take someone like me to tell someone that he did it. But he gaining nothing just put himself out there to do that. I think there are it's easier for us to maybe frame the the little ones the, the little things day to day. Um like a car is broke down on the side of the road and they're out of gas. Take the guy, bring him to a gas station, right? Like, and then, and then bring him back to his car, let him fill up his car. There's these, there are the little things like that where it's maybe easier to see those where there, there is nothing that you're going to, you're going to get out of this. It is purely you putting someone above yourself. So I think it's looking for the opportunities to inconvenience yourself for the benefit of, of another person. And there are those big ones and God might grant those to you. He might not, but certainly I think all of us is going to have an opportunity for the little ones to maybe at work, you might have an opportunity to teach a newer coworker how to use some part of your business system, right? Like, Oh, I don't, I don't know how to do this in, in Microsoft word. Can you help me out? And being willing to be a helpful person, be a kind person, not be begrudging at things like that. Um, placing that person's benefit above your own 
speaks volumes to who our God is. Um, and I would like you to note, nothing I said right there was was like Christian-y. None of it was spiritual. None of it was religious. And I did that on purpose. So to the listener, I want you to understand that there are ways that we act and conduct ourselves and treat people that speaks volumes about the gospel and what Christ did. And those things open massive doors for the gospel um, because now you are living in a way that's consistent with how Christ conducted himself when he went to the cross and, and died for us and took a, the biggest inconvenience to reconcile us to himself. Yeah, totally. I think, so for my for me, my uh, application is, example is going to be relationships, is going to be leaning into friendships and relationships that might take from you more than they give. So I think where you're inconvenienced by maybe how much support you need to give to somebody um, when they really don't have anything to offer you back. So I, I, have a, I have a friend who's being really sacrificial towards somebody in his life. He's, I mean, giving up his, um, he's like letting this guy stay with him. And it's unbelievable to me just because I, he's in a really similar life stage as me, this friend. And so it's easy for me to consider myself in his shoes and how I probably would not be as sacrificial because I wouldn't see as myself getting, getting enough out of it. You know, that's just the way that I think and it's really sinful, but, but I think, you know, saying, acknowledging that, okay, this is going to inconvenience and me and make my life a little bit more difficult right now. But that is, that is what I'm here to do right now. You know, God has me on this earth to carry on, serving people and representing Christ's character. And so I'm going to choose to do that. And I think this calls back to this. That, that's like a big example. But like Zach says, I want to echo that, is that it can be big things and it can be little things that add up. Um, and so I think, but looking at relationships, because we all have so many relationships in our lives, and I think maybe some that we're less willing to dive into and lean into because of the imbalance and payoff. And I think we need to just, you know, set aside that payoff perspective and just think about how we're serving people. Mm -hmm. And mine's, you know, along the same lines, maybe a little slightly more abstract, but just this idea of the sanctity and value of human life that God has given that, that we're made in his image. Um, and I know usually this idea comes up in, in regards to thinking of the unborn, which, uh, you know, I think as a Christian, the Bible makes clear that we should stand up for the unborn, but I, I'm taking this from a born standpoint in the sense that um, right now, how how do you conduct, your, as Zach said, how do you conduct yourself at work? Or um, as Andre said, how do you uh, help people who are maybe down in, in their life and need a place to stay? Like, does your actions say that they have dignity and they have value? And also, you know, in this case, does your conduct with respect to um, adhering to um, public health guidelines show that you value human life, that you value someone made in the image of God because their immune system probably won't fight it nearly as well as you. Like, do you, for the sake of people who need it, show that you value their life simply because they are made by God and they're made in his image? Um, and then also one thing I wanted to add earlier and forgot to is like the people making up these guidelines, unlike us spitballing at the beginning, like they, this is their careers. They prepare for these things before they happen. 
So uh, whatever you think you might know to do, it, maybe it, it's time to express some humility when it comes to adhering. So, um, yeah, that's those are the things I was thinking of. That's good. And that's coming from our physician assistant grad student. So that, you know, that can be you can take that to heart. Well, thanks for talking about this. Uh, now no one can say that the coronavirus didn't lead to anything good. Uh, you're listening to the TPM podcast. Uh, we hope this was uh, edifying verbal processing. Have a good week. Thank you.